just to be able to experience sure. different players, different dynamics, building different kinds of teams, uh, developing them in, in different ways. That's that's why we get into this profession. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Sports Business Radio. My guest this week is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Spolstra won NBA titles as a head coach in 2012 and 2013. He won a title as an assistant coach on Pat Riley's staff in 2006. Spolster has been the head coach of the Heat since 2008 and is now the second longest tenured coach in the NBA behind San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich. He is the winningest coach in Miami Heat franchise history, passing the man who hired him, Pat Riley. I've known Eric for over a decade. I've even traveled with him to the Philippines, where his mother is from. We traveled there in 2009. I worked with Eric's sister, Monica, when we were both with the Portland Trailblazers in the 1990s. Eric's father, John, is a sports marketing pioneer. His grandfather was a beat writer covering the Detroit Tigers for decades. I was in Miami recently, and Eric and I sat down for this candid conversation that I hope you enjoy. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He is the head coach of the Miami Heat, a longtime friend as well. Eric, we're here at Heat headquarters. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Brian, this is fun. Uh, We've been through a lot. We've been to the Philippines, but it's good to get on a couple mics together and uh, chop it up. So you recently became a new dad. Congratulations. How has fatherhood changed your perspective? <laughs> you know, I get that question all the time. And I, I know what everybody's searching for because I think people have said I'm uh, a workaholic and all that. Uh, you know, so much of that is exaggerated. Uh, but the thing about obviously being a parent that all parents know, uh, regardless of, of what you're doing, uh your life will adjust <laughs> whether mm-hmm. you want it to or not, uh, whether you need balance or don't need balance, uh, it, you're going to find it and it's going to it's force its way in, uh, which has been such a, an awesome blessing, uh, for my wife and I, uh, we're thrilled, uh, uh to have had our, our first son and it's been a great summer. Uh, you know, we were eliminated in the playoffs, it felt like months ago, mm-hmm. and he was only three weeks old. So just how much he's changed from when the season ended to now, uh, we had a, a team barbecue and I brought him around and the players were, couldn't believe how big he was. And, uh, it's just, he, he's been such a blessing and, uh, I'm thrilled about it. I'm sure he's not being spoiled by grandparents and, and auntie, right? Yeah, grandparents are coming to town, uh, this weekend to catch a couple <laughs> games. I, you know, I asked him, uh, my parents live in the same house I grew up in. It's tough to get them to leave Portland. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So we'll, uh, convene, do they still go to Maui? Still go to Hawaii. We okay. do that every year. Yeah. But, uh, the last few years getting them to come to Miami, you know, connecting flight. Yeah. It's always, not easy. Right. So they already have two, uh, trips, uh, booked already this year. This, this trip to see a couple games. Really, they're not going to see the games, obviously, but also, uh, over the holidays. So it'll be pretty cool. Well, congratulations again. Yeah, that's great. You. 
What about when you're on the road? I know that you've gotten better at, uh, you do yoga and you're, you're doing some things to keep yourself fit. You're, you're very fit, but this is a high stress job. So how do you deal with, and, and a lot of people listening to this are CEOs and people who have high stress jobs. How do you deal with the stress? Well, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. So I, I think that's been the best teacher uh, for me. Um, you know, I think probably, especially early on, my first few years, I was such a fear-based coach, uh, and I've really been mindful of, of trying to change that approach and to more of gratitude and of service and how I can help this organization, how I can help this team, how I can help players, um, how I can help, uh, you know, my, my bosses, uh, you know, they hired me to do a job, um, and to focus on all, all of the, the positive opportunities uh, that I have with this. So part of that is is getting to a place where uh, I can be healthy in the mind. And, and um, that's probably a challenge for a lot of, of head coaches out there. You get so consumed, uh, it's very easy to get to dark places. Uh, I've had problems with that uh, over my career. Uh, so I, for me, uh, it's helped um, – Staying disciplined to a phys- physical fitness routine, uh, working on my uh, not only my physical well-being but my mental and emotional well-being, and a little bit of meditation has helped with that. Uh, my nutrition has helped with that, believe mm. it or not, uh, and uh, yoga is a natural thing uh, because it, it incorporates both. Um, so without me even knowing it, I was doing it a lot of times just for the physical part of it, and I felt good after it. But the emotional benefits that I found after that, once I started learning the science, were really uh, really uh, cool to, to experience. And having a, a sister that uh, you know is a, a nutritionist, yeah, she stays that, on me about yeah. that uh, as well. And uh, I have a better relationship with... Uh, with wine now, I used to be more of a self-medication type thing after uh, losses, but now I can actually enjoy, you know, a glass or two uh, instead of uh, it, it being such a dark thing. And you're from Oregon, where they have great wine, so you can yeah. probably just have some nice bottles shipped out. Pretty easy to get uh, gifts uh, to the Spolster family, my wife and I, for for the holidays. Um, but my family, that that's pretty much a go-to. Uh, they they send uh, good wine from out out there. Mm-hmm. Uh. You have a coaching tree now. David Fisdale, our mutual friend, is now the coach of the New York Knicks. He was coaching in Memphis before. Uh, what does it feel like to have your own coaching tree <laughs> and, and see someone who learned under you like you learned under Pat Riley? Yeah, I still look at it as uh, as the Miami Heat tree um, because we, we both have benefited so much from just this organization, the culture. Uh, but it is surreal uh, just – both of us having an opportunity to be one of the 30 head coaches in this league. Neither one of us take it for granted, I know, because Fizz and I talk about that. We're both you know, WCC, not even great WCC players. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we were burning it up at, at, at the college level. Um, but uh, to be able to have an opportunity to work your way up, learn from uh, some of the best uh, people in the business here, uh, uh, particularly uh, Coach Riley. Uh, and then now Fizz is uh, one of the, you know, yeah, he's one of my uh, dear friends, uh, and we both worked in the video room together, but it's crazy. When he called me and said, hey, uh, 
you know, they might have a couple different opportunities. The Knicks are one. What do you think? The Knicks, uh, like, they haven't been good, and it's really hard to, to coach in New York. Uh, I just let them, you know, talk a, a little bit, and I said, Fizz, are you listening to what you're talking about? <laughs> Come on, this is the New York Knicks. It's one of the historic franchises. Uh, who would you ever have thought at any day that you would be the head coach, you know, um, you know, for one of the storied franchises, um, and such an, a great opportunity if you can turn it around, and just to have the experience of coaching in New York, what a what a great experience! Uh, just to go through all of it is probably it is going to be crazy. It'll probably be all of the above, uh, but to go through that in thirty five years from now, what are you going to be talking about? <laughs> you right, know, it'd be a, a pretty cool thing. So, part of coaching obviously is coaching, but the other part is doing things like this, dealing with the media. In New York, that's a big deal. Obviously, it's a big deal here for you because you've won championships. I know way back when, you know, that was a part of the job that, that we discussed. Yeah. Have you become more comfortable with that part of the job? Do you know that it's just like, hey, yeah. there's something I got to do? And 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 probably just I have a, a, a healthier view and lens mm-hmm. of of what it is and there's parts of it that uh, I don't agree with and I don't like uh there's parts of it that are totally natural and fine and particularly uh you know to in today's day and age it's information and yes the information gets spit out there quicker uh but for fans they they love it and they like access and they want more information they're consuming more and more uh, so uh, I don't uh, look at it nearly as negatively uh, as I used to. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm embracing all of it and <laughs> loving it, you know, but I, I don't get turned off about it as much. And uh, I remember being, you know, early on in my career stressed out about storylines and narratives mm-hmm. that are out there. I think it probably helped going through that uh, our first year of the big three uh, you know, I was getting booed all the time and uh, articles were being written every, seemed like every hour about how uh, I needed to be fired. And finally I just got to a place where, you know, that didn't bother me. I was able to just focus, uh, see it for what it was, um, and, and just focus and compartmentalize on, on the, my job and doing my job the best that I can, regardless of what the narratives are out there. Once you're in this swirl all the time, uh, you just see how it's a, a quick news cycle and your day is coming no matter what, right. <laughs> you know, at some point yeah. you, you have a target on your back and if you can just, you know, get to a place where you can weather it, uh, it'll pass and it'll be somebody else's day. And then in my position, can I help somebody else get through that day? Mm-hmm. Because our players go through that all the time. And, and we went through that with Hassan last year and I was able to have a very candid mm-hmm. conversation with him and, and speak from experience that it actually can help you grow uh, if you can get past the discomfort and um, and uh, and see the other side. And the more you, I mean, I, I look at you as someone who is cooperative with the media, and I think the more you cooperate, the more if you do have any kind of a misstep or even if you're just losing games, they're going to go a little easier on you because they go, hey, you know, here's a guy who's helped us do our job over the years. Yeah, I look. Everybody's got a tough job in this business, and I I try to be uh, as accessible as reasonably mm-hmm. can be. Um, 
you know, I might not go totally out of my way and there are certain things that make me uncomfortable. And there's also, uh, you know, a part of it because the news cycle goes so fast, there's an absurdity to it. Yeah. And if you can just step back and view it for what it is and not take offense to it, uh, then yeah, I am trying to help guys out there trying to do their job. I, I, you know, if I can make their life a little bit easier, I'm not doing it with the intention that, okay, you're going to ease up on me or say something nice uh, about me. I just, just, uh, profession respect to another profession. Right. Um, that's, that's basically it. So you are now the winningest coach in heat franchise history, I think. And, you know, I know you have high standards for yourself. Have you had a chance to reflect on what you've accomplished so far in the championships you've won? Or is that something that till you're sitting on the beach in Maui when you're old and retired, you won't look back on? No, uh, because that's not my why. That's not why I'm I'm in this business, um, and certainly not what I, not what I'm trying to accomplish for Mickey Harrison and, and Pat Riley. I, I I take it very seriously, the responsibility and the opportunity that they've given me. And the fact of the matter is, I had an opportunity to coach some incredible talent, uh, and in a lot of other places. If you're not working for the right people. I say it all the time, and Pat always gets mad at me. But it's, <laughs> he's like, "You don't need to say that." But it's true. If I was in other organizations, I would have been fired, you know, three or four times. Hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that for somebody to say, "Oh no, you know, I'm not fishing for anything." No, that's the reality. That is this business. You get a run at it, two or three, maybe four years. We're different. Our owner believes in continuity, and and uh, when he says family, you know, he means it. Uh, uh, Coach Riley believes in the same thing. He, he likes consistency, right. and I, I'm, I just happen to be working for the right organization uh, where it could have been a, a lot different. Some of the, the coaches I've come into this business with, we we're video coordinators at the time. They're already on their fourth or fifth team. Hmm. That's the landscape, and that's why I'm very grateful to work for the people that I work for, and why I want to do such a good job, you know, for them. Uh, you know, it is a, a, a major responsibility that I take uh, take very seriously. Do you ever look ahead? Or are you so focused on the now? Do you ever look ahead and say, well, here's life when I'm not coaching or I would love a role in the front office someday and I don't have to be on the road all of the time? Do you ever think about that? Well, uh, what Andy Ellisberg always says, or, uh, quotes the, the movie The Godfather, <laughs> this is the life we chose. <laughs> yes. I, I almost don't know any other life. Hmm. Uh, I know that it is very extreme when I explain it to the people on the outside, but I don't know any other life other than traveling during the winter. Uh, you know, we don't have four and five nights anymore, but being on the road for 41 games. Uh, and then our, there's nothing to complain about in the summer. Yeah. No <laughs> our kidding. summers beat anybody else's, uh, certainly other pro sports teams and whatever profession you're in, our summers are the best. Uh, so I, I don't really look ahead uh, to that. I'd like to be in the business, obviously, as long as I can. I, I feel like I'm uh, extremely young uh, still. It's, it's funny uh, you mentioned that because my friend brought up to me. He's like, man, I remember when you were the youngest coach, but yeah. it's, it's been a long time since I, I've been there. There are quite a few guys that are that are younger than me. You have um, the second longest tenure in the entire NBA behind Pop. Yeah, I just think that's a, a horrible statement on – on this profession. Yeah. 
there's so many other coaches with the right the right uh, leadership uh, and the right stability to be able to weather the the things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be some tough patches every every season. Heck, two years ago we were 11 and 30. You know, going into the second half of the season, coaches get fired before even they make it that far. Mm-hmm. And then we went 30 and 11 in the second half. Um, so it, you know, things things can change. All coaches, including myself, we always think we're on borrowed time. Uh, but, um, but it, it is a great situation that that we have here, and uh, I hope we can keep it going. Hopefully, we can uh, do a little bit better than we have the last couple of years. You've dealt with the big three, the superstars, but you've also done a really good job of developing younger players. Very different experience, I would imagine, with the superstars and the guys who are just trying to stay on the roster and, and develop. How do you do it? That's what I, I love about this profession is every year it's a different team. Even if you bring back, say, 10, 12 guys, right. it doesn't matter. The, the season is going to feel totally different. It'll play out uh, differently. Uh, there'll be uh, different challenges and things that come up. Um, but that's what I love uh, about this uh, profession and hopefully looking back on it, you know, when I'm you know, 30 years from now, mm-hmm. that I will have had – um, you know, uh, an incredible uh, uh, resume of experiences, uh, and not to put on a resume, just to be able to experience sure. different players, different dynamics, building different kinds of teams, uh, developing them in, in different way. That's that's why we get into this profession, and um, it's exciting when it's different um, and it's new. You get to start. I mean, I think a lot of people out there in their current job whatever it is if you're an accountant a lawyer a doctor uh that every year that it could almost start with a clean slate and a new set of challenges that keep you fresh um i love i love it i i I love the different kinds of teams um i i know i i'm not wired that way to think like oh i just need a championship ready team i look at that as a blessing Hmm. (laughs) that i even had an opportunity to to coach a group like that but Arguably, my my favorite year coaching was two years ago. The team that I just mentioned, yeah. Um, but what a, a a group that created some magic out of nothing. And at the end of the year, we really created some, you know, some deep relationships. Uh, that was fun. That was uh, something I wanted all the guys to be able to experience. And I'm very grateful that I was able to experience it with the guys. Yeah, that team showed a lot of backbone, and I know that has a lot to do with you. Do you still? Uh give the guys books to read i know that's something that you used to do yeah i, I do um yeah every year it's funny you, you remember that these guys have everything in, in their lives uh as as well they they should be afforded mm-hmm. uh, all these great things that we get from this profession um so if i if i can give them a thought or something uh, with a book uh a lot of them and i don't take offense to it uh, and even as i give it out i I tell them a lot of you probably won't read this book, but even if you just get something, Mm -hmm. one thing uh, out of it, uh, it's something that you don't necessarily, you can't get with a car, right? (laughs) another car, you know, another uh, piece of clothing or uh, whatever it is. Um, And then, you know, every once in a while guys will mention when they get to other teams and 
three years later, somebody will say, you know what, that, that book you gave me, I finally right. read it on a flight. And there was this <laughs> one thing you mentioned, you know, uh, that I would catch one thing out of the book, and I did. And they, you know, will, 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 will tell me. What's the book for this year? I don't know yet. It, uh, when do you give it out? Beginning of the season? I usually halfway? give it over the holidays. Okay. But even during the year, like, if, if something... Uh, yeah. yeah I've given, and is it the same book for everyone, or do you yeah. give different books to different But people? if I'm giving an individual book, if mm-hmm. I read something, and I just think it resonates with, with a, a particular uh, player... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Dwayne Wade, final season. I know you guys have a special relationship. I think it's so cool that he gets to take a bow and really be recognized for what he's meant to the game on and off the court. It's got to be pretty special for you. Yeah, it is because when he was in, uh, those other uniforms, uh, it just didn't look right. Right. Didn't feel right. I totally. used to text him that all the time. I don't think that's, uh, tampering or anything, <laughs> but we'd play them. I was like, dude, that just, it doesn't look right. You being in a Chicago Bulls uniform, come on, get out of here. Um, so, you know, we stayed in touch, uh, but, uh, I never really let my mind go there to think whether you'd have an opportunity to coach him again or not mm-hmm. um and then it just happened very quickly so i i think it's it's just the right timing and and it's what was meant to be it should end this way he should be in a miami heat uniform i don't care what he's ever done in, in another uniform he looks and performs just he comes alive in a different way in a miami heat uniform uh and and he can handle this. Uh, I don't know if you know all players can handle it, where you know when the end is going to be, and then it becomes about the, all the things that it shouldn't be about. It's still about the right things with Dwayne, and it just speaks to his his character. He's such a, a, a quality human being, uh, and he's a giving guy. That's why he's always going to be successful. It, whatever he decides to do after this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he has all of his businesses and his, and his endorsements. Uh, but the reason all of it works is, yes, because he's a, a brilliant Hall of Fame basketball player, but just as importantly, it's because he's such a giving person uh, and he's a serving uh, person. And, and in this scenario, you have somebody that's been the face of our franchise, going to be a, f- a first ticket Hall of Famer, going to have his jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> up there before he's even taken it, uh, taken it off to walk out the final time. And a statue, all of this stuff, and yet this year, uh, he wants other guys, uh, to step up, like a Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow, and he tells them all the time, look, I've had my time. This mm-hmm. is your time. Stop de- deferring to me. And that's incredible. I mean, yeah. what, what a confidence boost that would be for a young player to have a Hall of Famer tell you that all the time and be sincere about it. And that's what makes him so, one of the things that makes, makes him so special. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. 
Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now back to our conversation. You mentioned earlier uh, we went to the Philippines together. I think it was 2009. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if I ever told you this, but remember we flew business class, and then I left you guys in L.A. and was going from L.A. to Portland. Oh, yeah. We had sushi, I think, in Tokyo. Eric, I got so sick. <laughs> that was like the sickest. I, I have not. That was 2009. I have not eaten on a plane since 2009 due to that sushi. Oh, and I don't gosh. think it was on the plane. I think it was at the airport. But, oh, that was... What's funny about that is I still pe- tell people to this day, hey, man, the best uh, sushi you'll ever have is in Japan. <laughs> well, but not at the airport. Right. <laughs> I can attest I to that. I still thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, gosh, I thought I ate the same sushi, but I just... Uh, it wasn't good. But what a great trip that was. And yeah. I know you've gone back since. What do you still want to do in the Philippines? Yeah, I still have family over there. Uh, I haven't gone now for probably three or four years uh, but I fully intend on going back mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a, a give back uh, you know obviously the Philippines and my heritage is very dear to me uh, and that's the number one sport there and I tell people all the time unless you've actually been over there and experienced yeah. it when people say yeah, oh, it's the number one sport I mean it's the equivalent of what soccer would be to a South American country right. or in Europe. Uh, it's really almost a religion over there. And if that's the case, then that is my duty. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my life duties is to go back there and, and give uh, because it's uh, such an impactful uh, game and sport over there that there's so many lessons that, that you can help with. And even if I'm only going over there for 10 days, right. Um, you know that's something that uh, that I'm going to do that I'll continue to do, and then when my little guy gets a little bit older, hopefully yeah. he'll be coming over there with us uh, and doing that. How special! You were a rock star when we went over there. I mean, I think just an observer seeing you go over there for the first time in in many years, uh, you had to have been blown away by the reception that you got and just how many people watched Miami Heat basketball. Yeah, that's that's been the really cool part of it is. Uh, we now everybody over there in the eighties and nineties were Boston Celtics and <laughs> LA Lakers fans, uh, because those those were the only games that were on. But now y- you could say that the Miami Heat are definitely in the top three, right? You know, if not uh, people's favorite team over there, and that wasn't just because of the championship teams either. It started before that, and um, that uh, still I think even now in social media we get the most hits from the Philippines. You know, as an organization, uh, I'm just uh, thrilled that we've been able to have some some really life changing, memorable trips. Uh, the NBA has been outstanding uh, with that, facilitating that, and, and helping us put together the trips. And my staff usually I bring a different person each time, mm-hmm. and they've had uh, I hope uh, you know a oh, life sure. a, a life memory yeah. uh, out of it, uh, and hopefully we can continue it. I think most people know this, but you've grown up around basketball. Your dad, obviously, a very successful executive in the NBA. Um, 
do you hope to show, you know, this kind of path for your son? I mean, I, I know you've grown up around it and, uh, you were a ball boy for the yeah. Blazers. Was yeah. Paul Allen the owner when you were yeah. a ball? Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, it's been in your blood your entire life. Yeah. You know, it was interesting about that though, is my, my dad didn't force it hmm. at all. Um, or maybe some people on the outside who could look at it like, no, <laughs> well, it's not forced, but you're there all the time. Yeah. But that was, uh, you know, that generation's of, that generation of parents, that's how you babysat. <laughs> you brought your kid right. to wherever you were working and everybody else would just watch over. Right. You. And there wasn't helicopter parenting back then no. like there is now. <laughs> right. So my dad would pick me up from school and we, you know, he was going to the game, so I would go to the right. game. Uh, and just hang out while he worked. Uh, but, um, but, you know, to be, to be honest, he didn't, he didn't force it. And it was never an intent for me to become a coach. Like that was the furthest thing from it. When I finally did tell him I wanted to get into this side of it, he tried to talk me out of it mm. because he had seen, you know, how emotionally draining, yeah. um, coaching can be. He thought coaches were crazy. <laughs> he really did. And, uh, you know, will we be that way with, uh, with our son? I, I have no idea. I know that, um, you know, I, d- I definitely won't force basketball right. uh, on him. Uh, be excited to, to see which direction, uh, he goes. But, uh, you know, again, being, uh, somebody that grew up in, in an NBA family, uh, I look at that now and I just think of so many fun times that our family was able to experience together because of the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel grateful that I grew up in that environment. It probably seemed ex- extreme maybe to, to other people. It felt very normal uh, to me. And uh, the car rides were a lot of fun, just talking hoops yeah. and, and talking shop. Yeah. So he was doing like a Jedi mind trick on you. You didn't Could've know been. it, but he yeah. was he was getting you into basketball. Yeah, you know what he forced me to do? It was all the other sports. And those <laughs> were all, all the ones that I quit. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So what? Football, baseball, and all of them. Yeah. Wow. It was really well, you know. We come from a baseball family. Yeah. My grandfather worked for uh, was a beat writer for the Detroit Tigers for a long time, uh, for almost forty years. Right. So, um, my my dad was a big Tigers fan, a big baseball fan. Mm-hmm. He's probably as much of a baseball fan as he was a an NBA fan, and. Yeah, you could maybe make a case that he was trying to get me to be a baseball player, uh, but I wasn't having that. That's funny. Um, I listened to a podcast with Steve Nash recently, and he said the number one determining factor to success, in his opinion, is resilience. Agree, disagree. If it's not resilience, you coach a lot of players. I'm sure you can see these are the ones that are going to succeed. These are the ones that are going to have a tougher time. I know it's hard to pin just one determining factor, but... For you, when you look at a player and you say, this guy's going to make it or not make it, what's the factor that you look at? Well, hey, look, that's one of the books that I, I gave out. Angela Duckworth okay. uh, talks about that in her book, uh, best-selling book, uh, Grit. Uh, I would uh, I would probably agree with that uh, because there's 450 NBA players. There are over 100, maybe 200 that you could consider that are in the G League program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then each year you have 60 draft eligible players. Okay. This is a very small number. Right. But there is not much difference between the players that maybe are playing in Europe, players that have been drafted that 
washed out of the league, hmm. uh, players that are playing in the G League. Uh, but there's this intangible quality of, I, yeah, I would agree with that, that there has to be a level of, of persistence when things are not going your way and to to find a way to overcome when most people would, or some people even nowadays would quit. Now, you can't even say most people. Right. Um, but, I mean, the whole culture of of everything is, is changing. Uh, and even now, if you talk to college coaches, just seeing the staggeringly amount, uh, high number of transfers every year. Yeah. Uh, look, when we went to college, you would never think about transferring if you weren't playing or getting the you know your freshman year you weren't getting the shots that you wanted to you would just work a little bit harder and and uh and find a way you know to overcome it now if you don't like it you change teams right and that's happening even at the youth level high school level now uh it seems like every city now has open enrollment and you transfer you know three or four times as a high school student that was unthinkable um now, 25 years ago. Uh, so there's some built-in layers of teaching uh, where you have to teach uh, young players how to develop some of that, that grit, and it's a foreign language, mm-hmm. uh, even even bringing that up and, and challenging uh, players to do it. But it's something that we still believe in here at the Miami Heat. There's something that you can develop. There's some that ha- are a little bit stronger with it naturally, um, just like they would be with athleticism um, or emotional stability, whatever it may be. Um, but we're going to try to help and and develop that that aspect of it. Paul Allen, uh, I know you were a ball boy for the Blazers when he was the owner of the team. He passed away recently. Yeah. I know you probably didn't spend a ton of time with him, but just from afar uh, and as someone who was an NBA owner and you're from Portland, your thoughts on him and what he meant? Yeah, it's a, a very sad day, mm-hmm. uh, not just for people in Portland or, or Trailblazer fans, uh, you know, because he did bring something uh, that became bigger uh, in, in Portland uh, under his watch. Uh, but, uh, you know, somebody that's way too young, um and you know my biggest memories uh probably uh, of of the trailblazers probably were just just before that mm-hmm. uh, but it was it's hard not to to acknowledge or recognize them I and that the heyday were uh the Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, right. you know, Drum Kersey. When he had the big beard. Yeah. Sitting courtside. Right. I mean my my dad wasn't working for the Blazers that time, right. but I was still a a big fan uh of the Blazers um you know, under under his leadership, uh, and really put that organization on the, the sports world map. Um, and you know, he truly was a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see some ownership groups now in this league that don't live in the same city. Uh, right. Well, I mean, that, that's similar, but that don't even really follow the day to day operations. Right. Uh, and and Paul was uh, of that. Uh, ilk that that is a little bit different than what you're seeing now last question because i know you have a busy day uh when you look back 25 30 years from now on your career what's the legacy that you want to leave what do you want people to say about eric spolster oh come on brian you're asking the wrong, <laughs> like I, I i uh i'm probably don't even care okay yeah um i mean i hope they don't say that i'm a 
<laughs> I could add some adjectives there, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you just I'm not you in do. this, you know, for a legacy. What I'm what right. I'm leaving behind. Hopefully, my wife and I can have some some things that we're doing, you know, from a charity standpoint yeah. that will live on longer because of what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, that that'll have legs, mm-hmm. you know, past the time that I'm uh, on this earth. Uh, but I, I look at it more from uh, a sense of gratitude uh, that, uh, you know, Pat always calls this, uh, we're in the toy department of human affairs, uh, but it really is uh, such a, a bizarre world sometimes. And you do have to step back and, and even during the, the toughest times and say, at the end of the day, come on. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing lucky. something that we love. Uh, this is a game. Uh, and that game, that ball, you know, we mentioned that that ball has allowed me to travel the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been to the Philippines, to Europe, to you know, South America, all this stuff just because of that round ball and, and, and two baskets. Uh, so hopefully I'm able to give back, uh, as, as much as, as I can. Uh, and, and, the heat hopefully we we can impact you know as many people in a positive way as well just even with the staff and players mm-hmm. um that that we have living legacies that impact people in a positive way well i think you guys have done a great job with that i mean even going back a few years to trayvon martin you know as i was talking today in my earlier conversation with the dolphins coaches and players have a platform that the normal person doesn't have yeah. and people pay attention to what you say and for those that recognize that they have a platform and can really cause positive change, it's it's great. And I see you guys doing that here. So yeah. I know that has a lot to do with you and, and Pat. Yeah, you just see the right examples. Mm-hmm. So if you're in that environment, um, you know, our, our, the players that we've had uh, in our organization uh, have been so courageous uh, over the years, but also we've had some very giving players that have their own foundations that get immediately involved in this community hmm. uh, and, and help even after they've left. Right. And they keep their, their foundations going uh, here. Uh, Udonis Haslam was, you know, one that, uh, you know, he's dear to me, obviously another captain and face of the franchise and everything. But uh, his, you talk about legacy, mm-hmm. what he's doing in the South Florida community where he grew up, and some of the worst, you know, toughest challenge places, uh, to have these Starbucks franchises and subways. Uh, now he has pizza restaurants. Yeah. And he hires people, you know, from his community. So uh, great. It's, it really is amazing. And he sees the impact that he's having, uh, from being a professional basketball player, uh, to be able to really try to change a community. That's inspiring. So if, you're a young player coming into this league like Derek Jones or mm-hmm. Josh Richardson, uh, Justice Winslow. You see that example, you want to start talking to your agent and people and start putting together, okay, what's my, what's my plan? Well, mm-hmm. How am I going to make an impact? Uh, and can I put together a foundation? Can I do something? That's awesome. Those moments when I see a player having that kind of impact as UD does in our locker room and he'll ask guys if they're doing anything. Uh, those moments to me are as enjoyable as, you know, winning a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the stuff I'll remember, you know, 30 years from now. Congratulations on fatherhood. 
best of luck with this season and thanks for taking the time to sit down. Okay, Brian. Yeah, this was fun. We'll catch up with you soon. Yes. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and of course at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Albert. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.